We are looking at the Sikha of Tazriya Metzeda, Helik Chapez, Volume 22, Lukote Sikhis. The Rebbe discusses the meaning of the names of the two parshas of this week, Tazriya and Metzeda. We know that while most people and even Mefarshim commentary don't speak much about the names of the Torah portion, it's taken to be looked at as, you know, no big deal. Maybe it's random. Maybe it's uh, just using the first unique words of the particular Torah portion. The Rebbe teaches us and makes a big deal out of this that the names of everything in life are very significant. As per, as per Tanya, the second section of Tanya, that the name of everything is its life, let alone something in Teda, which is certainly precise and perfect, and therefore the name of the portion that it's been called by Jewish custom is of huge significance. In fact, it is the essence and the life of the entire portion. And based on that, the Rebbe says, let's analyze the names of this week's portion. It's a double portion. Tazriya Mitzorah, which most often come together. Um, says the Rebbe, if you think about these names, um, you analyze it, they don't seem to match the content of the Torah portion. The first portion is about a leper. I'm using the word leper. What I'm really referring to is the Mitzayda, the person who has the biblical leprosy, which not to be confused with medical leprosy, which is just a skin disease. This was obviously a spiritual disease, um, which came to a person who got a reminder from Hashem that they've sinned specifically with gossip. And uh, it is said that it doesn't really happen nowadays much. And why not? Because we are not on the level where we are going to get a direct message from God when we do something wrong. Imagine I do something wrong, God sends me a text message. That's pretty cool. That's a very high level. So it's pretty much discontinued by and large. But back in the day, people were at a much higher level. It did take place. Not a skin disease, but a spiritual ailment to remind the person that they have to watch out, that they're sinning, they're veering off the right path, specifically with gossip. which goes in line with the fact that some of the greatest people were the ones that were hit with leprosy. I'm using the word leprosy, loosely really referring to the tzadahs, to the biblical leprosy. Who are the people that Torah mentions that, that famously got leprosy? Moshe with his hand, Moses, and Miriam, Moses' sister. These are the two people in the Torah itself. These are the greatest. And the reason being because it only comes to the highest level people. This sikha will touch upon it again. Further, but it's it, it's it's a closeness to God that somebody is worthy of that direct sign from Hashem to fix to mend their ways. Um, so says the Rebbe. Now let's go back to the names of the portion. So the first portion talks about that leper and all about the condition, and yet the name of the portion is Tazria, which means uh, to uh, to conceive, to bring life. These are opposites. Leprosy is the worst form of impurity, Mitzorah. The language is, Mitzorah is a mini form of death. person literally looks white, like a dead man, and it represents death. You're isolated from the camp. It's a terrible thing. It's the worst of all forms of impurity. And yet the portion is named Tazria, which means the birth of life. Practically, it's because the first five, six verses discuss all totally different topic, the idea of a woman bringing offerings when she conceives and gives birth. But the bottom line is the name of the portion, which is all about the leper, which is the opposite, so to speak, of life, is named conception, life. 
And then the second portion, conversely, the other way around. That portion is all about the cure from the leprosy. And yet the name of the portion is Mitzorah, a leper. So everything's backwards. This is a kind of question that bothers the Rebbe. And the Rebbe says, there's a message in here. There's a powerful message. And the way these names seem to be totally counterintuitive or reversed. So the Rebbe says, we know that really in Torah, every punishment is a cure. There's no such thing as punishment for punishment's sake. There's no such thing that punishment just for revenge. God's getting angry and he's going to get even with you. It's not about that. Every punishment is about elevation, purity, uh, rehabilitation. It's for our own sake. There's the famous analogy of the Maggid of Mezrich that when people are afraid of the punishment and therefore they won't do the sin because they're afraid what's going to happen to them in the other world or what have you. He said it's, it's misplaced fear. You're afraid of the cure instead of the illness. The analogy that Maggid of Mezrich gave that the child is running around barefoot. His father warns him that he might get a splinter and he, he doesn't care. He gets a splinter and it becomes infected and he still doesn't care. Only when he goes to the doctor and with a lot of pain, the doctor has to schlep it out. Now he's screaming in pain. So the next day when he again runs around barefooted and his father says, you better put on your shoes because you might get a splinter. Again, he still doesn't care. You get a splinter, you might get infected. He doesn't care. But then the dad reminds him that if he gets infected or what have you, he has to go to the doctor and will painfully remove it to save the leg. Here he says, oh, no, I don't want that pain. And he goes and puts on his shoes or his slippers. So it's foolish because he's afraid of the doctor, which is really the cure, rather than the sickness itself. And that is true in every punishment of Torah. Other lashes, the sacrifices, God forbid, death penalty, or all type of monetary punishments, or the exiles that were imposed. All of this is for the sake of the sinner, to rehabilitate them, to elevate them, to, to bring them to the next level, for their own good not punitive, it's rehabilitative. It's really a blessing. And that's true with all punishments in Torah. However, where is it most expressed? By the leper, by this particular person. By other sins, we know that to be true from different sources. But here it's almost explicit in Torah and in Maimonides, the way this is described. That the person who gossips, who creates a a disintegration of divisiveness between people. What happens to him? You send him out of the camp and he sits alone so he, that he doesn't create divisiveness. And that purifies him and elevates him from this divisive state because now he's in a place of loneliness. So the loneliness is the cure for his sin of gossip. We see it very clearly. Maimonides says that ever walks us through the whole process. Maimonides says that if we look at Torah, we find that there's a, a leprosy, a tzaras of the home, of the vessels, of the person's clothing, and the person's body. Says Maimonides, the person is gossiping. They're beginning to slip and do the terrible sin of gossiping. So first, there'll be some blotches in the home. If they don't get the message, it'll hit their vessels. If they don't get the message still, it'll hit their garments, which is closer to the person. And finally, if they still don't get the message, it'll hit them. And now they'll have to be sent out of the camp and be alone. And this will give them time to think and realize that they're creating loneliness and divisiveness and strife between husband and wife and friends and what have you, as gossip can be extraordinarily destructive, even as the person feels immunity, like uh, impunity, rather. He feels like, you know, what did I do? I just said a few words. And really, you're destroying relationships and all kinds of things uh, with your words. 
And therefore, gossip and the punishment of leprosy is an instance in Torah, perhaps the instance in Torah, where more than any other, Torah itself and the oral Torah tells us explicitly that this is really not about punitive measures, but rather about rehabilitation, about cure. From here, we learn perhaps for all the other sins that, and punishments that it's the same way. And therefore, says the Rebbe, it follows that the portion in Torah which discusses the leper is really not called leper illness. It's called, it's called Tazria rebirth because that's really the goal and the purpose of Hashem inflicting this ailment and this illness and this problem for the sake of rebirth. Not that God is excited to hurt him and, and make him into a mini dead man. No, he's looking to give him rebirth. But this person needs it and the process to get there is going to be this ailment. And therefore the portion is called rebirth. Conversely, this second portion, which talks about the cure of the leprosy, is called leprosy. It's called leper, metzeda. It should have been called cure or something else. So here too says the Rebbe, by naming the second portion, which talks about his, his purity and his cure, calling it leper, what we're telling the person is that uh, the leprosy was all about the cure. So that even now that you're being cured, don't think that your cure and your rehabilitation and your growth spurt, today they call it psychologically, post-traumatic growth, the positivity that came out of the challenge that you overcame through the purification process or what have you, don't think that that purification began now. The purification began by the illness. Because the illness was all about the purification. And therefore, the two names of the portions are very appropriately placed, even though they seem completely opposite because they're bringing out this point. The portion talking about the leper is called conception, life, rebirth, because that's really what the leprosy is about. And the portion that talks about his cure is called leper, indicating that the cure already began from the moment of the leprosy. There's nothing new here. It's important to pause at this point and realize the powerful application of this, the relevance in our lives. Every person experiences throughout life disappointments, challenges, be it medical, financial, personal, emotional, spiritual, you name it. And the Rebbe in the Sikh is empowering us to realize that every tzara, every challenge is for our benefit. It's not just that God fell asleep at the wheel, and it's not even that God is punishing us or I did something terrible. We're supposed to take it to heart and better our ways when something bad happens to us. Not when something bad happens to another person. Then we're supposed to say, uh, they're wonderful. Why is it happening to them? But when it happens to me, I'm supposed to take it personal. But not that God is angry and, and being punitive, but God is being loving because this process is going to bring me to the next level. And therefore, I'm able to overcome challenges and ride the bumpy road and recognize that it's an opportunity for rebirth and betterment, and growth. Psychologists today are catching on. Post-traumatic growth, they're catching on. Post-traumatic growth, that's Tazriya Mitzvah. Extraordinary stuff.
there's an important nuance here that could be missed when a person reads the sikha. This message seems to be repeated twice <coughs> in the naming of Tazria and in the naming of Mitzvah. By calling the illness birth and by calling the cure illness, we're really saying the same thing twice. They're really the two are one and the same. The Rebbe says, if you read Sikha carefully, and it's not a, in length, it's more elaborated than other Sikhas. But it's quite clear that that's what the Rebbe is saying here as well, to my understanding. And that is this. There are two levels in this appreciation. Level one is, I faced a problem. Let's use an example. God forbid a person goes through a, a, an illness. It should never happen. And they come out of it. It's not always the case. Sometimes it's not Pashet. But let's speak positive. And they went through this tremendous thing. So the first thing is to say, look, Hashem gave me this because I needed to come to the next level. So therefore, that would be Tazriya. There's illness, but the purpose is rebirth. However, if I would never have the need for that cure, I wouldn't have to go through the trouble to begin with. You know, if God forbid somebody's very, very sick and they have to have a surgery to save them, surgery is very painful. But we understand that that surgery is really a cure. It seems bad, it's good. But ideally, if I could have my way and not need the surgery to begin with, that would be fantastic. The same thing, I'll applying it in this case. Yeah, the person is being punished by Hashem for something in one area or another in life. Person is supposed to say, This is not Mitzorah, this is not illness, this is Tazria. This is really God helping me experience rebirth because I needed this because I'm a mess, because I fell down, I lost my way, whatever. So, thank you, Hashem. I get it. But if I could have not lost my way, I would have been better off not to have it at all. Says the Rebbe, No. By the second portion, by the cure being called Mitzorah, leper. The Torah is saying that really the illness, which is really a form of conception, of rebirth and of greater growth, is actually good in and of itself. It's not just that it's good under the circumstances because I'm a mess, so I needed it. I'm better than I would have been without it. There's another way of saying it. So that the illness itself is cured. And the cure, that's the first part, but the second part, the cure began with the illness. I hope this is clear. The Rebbe says this in other sikhs relating to the exile and redemption, and the Rebbe applies it here too, that exile and redemption are whatever we just said now, but not in the micro, but in the macro, that all the Jewish people are suffering this communal ailment, namely gullus exile. And it's very painful, it's very long. Terrible, it's tragic. You know what? It's going to lead to Mashiach. So there too, there's two ways to look at it. One is, the exile is bad, but we need it because it's really a springboard to something unimaginably good. Got it. But ideally, if we could have avoided that step, we would have been better off. We wouldn't have done our sins and therefore would not have the setback of exile. We're better off. We wouldn't even need the exile. We could go straight to Mashiach. The higher level says no. The exile itself is a form of redemption because it brought us to a much greater place than we would have been otherwise.
Hasidus talks about this in the in the 42 journeys of the Jewish people throughout the desert, that every person has the 42 journeys in their own life. And many of them were bad stops. Many of the 42 journeys were very bad. In our own personal lives, we all have some of those 42 journeys. We all have things in life that we wish we never ha had. We all have periods in life that we wish we could perhaps you know, erase the tape. And now in hindsight, we say, well, you know what? It brought me to a new place. But had I not fallen to that place, I'd be better off. Says Torah, no. After the Jews go through 42 journeys, many of which were very painful, the Torah re-lists, goes down all of them, doesn't skip any of them. All of them are part of the script, all of them are part of the Torah, all of them are part of the journey. They all need it to be. They're not just good in hindsight because we're, we're such a mess that we needed this challenge to make us better. But maybe perhaps the challenge was presented to bring us into a place that we would never have come without that challenge. I think that is an important underlying message. So let's zoom back a little bit. So what do we have? We have the two names, Hazuriah Matorah, both essentially making the same general principle, principle point, that the negative is positive, that the ailment is pure, the cure is ailment. The cure began even with the ailment, with this additional nuance that uh, the second portion adds, that not only is, is, the, is the ailment ultimately for our good, but it is really the beginning of a greater good that we would not have had without it. So this is the fantastic teaching. This is the skeleton of the Sikha. This is the main point of the Sikha. Says that ever now that we've established this, that all punishment in Torah is really for the sake of our own good. And most especially, the leper. we can connect this to an interesting halakhic discussion about the leper. The leper, like many other people who become impure, are sent outside of the camp. There are different levels of impurity. Some levels of impurity, you're only sent out of the Kohen camp, the inner camp. Sometimes you're sent further out of the Levite camp. In the case of the leper, it's the worst case of impurity. You're sent out of even Machani Yisrael, the camp of Israel, the entire camp. You're sent out. nominally, so that you don't make the camp impure. However, in the case of the leper, the Torah adds something. Fadad yeshev, let him sit alone. In addition to saying, let him go outside the camp, the Torah adds, let him sit alone. So the Rebbe, there's a discussion, there's two ways to look at this. What is the main purpose of this punishment slash rehabilitation? Is it get him out of the camp because he's going to bring impurity to the camp? Or is it that he needs to be alone? And there's a practical difference of which way we look at it. Because if we look at it, it's only about being outside the camp. Let's say he's outside the camp, there's another half a dozen lepers. Can he socialize with them and have coffee with them? Why not? He's out of the camp. The camp is protected. But if we look at it for his own good, that he should be alone in order for him to feel isolation and loneliness, which is something that he caused by his divisive speech. And so that it will rehabilitate him, even if he's outside the camp. And even other lepers, they can't hang out with them. He's got to be in isolation. Apparently, this is a discussion and commentary to decide which way it is. And the Rebbe says that according to this approach, which is hinted in the naming of the Torah portions, that it's all rehabilitation. It's all about cure. It's really for the person's betterment and best interest. That would squarely line up with the approach 
that the, the, the main emphasis is not just to go out of the camp, but to be in isolation, because we're here to help him and put him in isolation to, uh, to teach him to mend his ways of divisive speech. So we have now a halachic discussion that's sort of settled based on this approach, which makes it concrete, concretized in the world of legality of halach. Then the Rebbe borrows from the area of Hasidus, or the mystical part of Torah, to apply also to the thinking that we just developed, that the Rebbe developed. Namely, the concept we touched upon earlier, it's discussed in Hasidus, particularly in the Kutta Torah of the Alter Rebbe in great length, that the leper is something which is a spiritual ailment, not like the skin disease of leprosy, and it only happened to the great people, and it doesn't happen today because we're not worthy of it. If you look at the Kutta Torah, the Alter Rebbe says more things, that the Torah uses the title, other man, but it introduces this condition, which is the highest description of a human being. There are four descriptions of a human being in Torah, Adam, Ish, Gebed, Enosh, from top down, higher level person to lower level. The highest level person is Adam. Adam means Adam and the alien. He's in the likes of his maker. It, it represents maybe a high, high level person. And that's why it only happened back then when people were on that level. And as we see, it happened to Moshe and Aaron, and Miriam, high level people. How does that make any sense? You might add that we even see that a person gets leprosy, they end up with treasures in their walls. What? Because I, 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 I gossiped, I end up with treasures in my walls? This isn't in the Sikh, but I'm saying perhaps along the same lines. And says that Rebbe, now that we have set the stage to understand that this is all about your own betterment, and it's taking a good person and making him great, the famous title of the book, From Good to Great. It's taking Miriam, who's like so perfect, and making her even greater. In fact, it's brought down the potato that the, the illness is only skin deep. And that's why it's Adam. It's a very high level person. They're almost perfect. Miriam had no flaws. When she spoke against Moses, there was nothing wrong. Her intention was pure, 110%. But on her level, it was considered a sin. So it's a skin disease, a skin deep illness. A person who's like 99.99% perfect. That's the one that gets it. The Adam level, the Miriam level person. And that's why they get to find treasures. A person who's a very high level and they're willing to grow, they're going to find treasures. This whole thing is about bringing them to the next level. The whole thing is about rewarding them, giving them greater opportunity for perfection, uh, making them a better person than before, not punishing them because they're bad. This is not from bad to worse. This is from good to great. So the Rebbe put together a whole puzzle here. This concept that we're presenting here, Tazriya Mitzayda, the ailment, is really a cure and a rehabilitation, really a gift for your own benefit, your person's own benefit, has expression in the legal realm, Namely, it settles, so to speak, that debate. Whether it's about him being out of the camp or being lonely, that it's also about being lonely because it's for his benefit. And it also works perfectly with the Hasidic approach. This happens to high, high level people who are this close to perfection. The infraction, the imperfection is only skin deep. And therefore, they're the ones who get it because they're the ones who can be propelled to the higher level of perfection thereby.
Okay. The Rebbe now comes along. And applies this to exile and Mashiach. I want to just point out that at this point, the Mashiach is so relevant and so personal and so perfect that people can apply it. Everybody deals with some form of tzaras, of leprosy. What we call in, in English, tzuras, challenge. And the sikha is empowering us and, and, and giving us the tools to see it all as a gift from Hashem, so to speak. To propel us to greater heights and greater goodness and greater growth. And like I said before, psychology today even agrees with it. Psychology doesn't believe that necessarily that that's a gift from Hashem for that purpose, but psychology agrees that the net net result of post-trauma can be growth if we, if, we, if we keep our eye on the ball. Torah says that the purpose of the trauma is the post-traumatic growth, and it's a gift. So the Rebbe says, now let's talk about Mashiach. What is the greatest ailment and the greatest cure for the Jewish people as a whole? It's Golos and Mashiach. And we know what it says in Tanya, that Golos is the is what's going to bring Mashiach. Golos, Mashiach, Golos is not two separate things. There's bad, and then we're going to have good. And we live happily ever after. No, it's one long story. Tazriya Mitzora. The Golos is all about putting us in a place of challenge and personal growth. And by free choice, we don't see the miracles. We don't see Hashem. And yet we stay hold with, strong with Torah, etc. Therefore, as it says in Tanya 36, 37, is our avoid, our work in this time of exile when we don't see revelation and miracles, that we, by choice, we serve Hashem in, in the tough trenches of, of, of history that we merit the Geula. There are two sides of the same coin, which makes the exile a lot less dark for us, as dark as it is, because we see it all as really the flip side of light. It was a gift, so to speak. I think we're ready to give it back, the gift, but ultimately it was a gift from Hashem for the benefit of the people. That's why I said when Mashiach comes, we're going to look back and say, we thank you, Hashem, for the tzuras, because they brought us to a place, as the Rebbe writes in his diaries, that it was so extraordinary, unimaginable, we wouldn't never have it without the exile, which is exactly the lesson of the Sikha earlier in terms of our personal punishments or challenges. This is on a Mashiach on a global level. Golos and Geula are two sides of the coin, two steps in the same pattern. So much so that it even says, um, Rambam brings down and others, that the whole purpose, the whole thing of Mashiach is that then we'll be able to do the mitzvahs in the perfect way. Here we're doing mitzvahs, so that we get the Mashiach, so that we can do what? We can do the mitzvahs even more perfectly, indicating further that it's one linear process. And one is linked to the other and embedded within the other as per the entire Sikha before. And then the Rebbe says, so based on this, we could see not only why the names are Tazriya Mitzayr, now that we're talking about the Golos Mashiach paradigm, but that the two are read together in most years. Apparently more so than any other double portion, these two are linked together in most years. When, when something happens more often than not in Judaism and Torah, that means that's, that's the norm. Torah goes by majority. Well, what's the message of that? What's the message of the two portions if they're separate versus if they're together in this context of our service of Hashem in Golos as preparation for Mashiach? If the two are separate, it would mean this, that a person is doing the work of Tazria, namely planting the seeds. Tazria means the seeds. He understands that even though he's in exile, 
Everything he's doing is planting seeds for Mashiach. And he's doing Torah mitzvahs with the knowledge that this is going to be Mashiach. Got it. However, that's not so much on his mind. He knows that's the purpose of the exile, but when that'll happen, and if it'll be in his lifetime or a different lifetime, God forbid, that's not really his concern. He's busy doing his mitzvahs with Kabbalah with the yoke of Hashem. He's got the Zriah. Mitzvah is a separate portion. He'll leave that for whenever Hashem is ready. When we bring them together, and which is in most years, we're indicating that the real way for a year to serve Hashem is yes, to do the mitzvahs, knowing that ultimately they lead to Mashiach, but that that is not ultimately, that that is something that is on his mind. That's something that's on his mind. It's not just, it so happens that that's the purpose of Torah and mitzvahs, to bring Mashiach. So he's aware of that fact. But his concern is what he has to do, which is the, the Torah and mitzvahs. He's not so concerned about the result of it being Mashiach. No, Tazriya Mitzvah. He, in his actions, you feel that he's doing it for Mashiach. He sees them as connected. And that is the way the Torah portions are linked in most years. That's how we're supposed to live Yiddishkeit, especially now in the last generations of exile, that the two go hand in hand. The portions are not separate. Don't just do your thing knowing that it's going to bring Mashiach. Ultimately, no, do it for that purpose. Hold it close, hold it. Two portions together which obviously would change the way we do a mitzvah, would change the, the way we live in the darkest moments of exile, knowing that really this is, in a second, will turn to light. This is the purpose to turn to light. That's a much higher level. Not just Tazriya, a mitzvah, but Tazriya and mitzvah combined. And in this itself, the Rebbe says there's two ways to look at this. Person's already on the level of Tazriya and mitzvah combined. And his service in his mind and his conscious awareness is linked to its goal, namely Mashiach, redemption, perfection, Hashem's plan. However, in his mind, is that second step imminent or it's whenever, one day? It's important. He understands he's linked them. Two portions are linked. But the question is, does he see it as an imminence or is it something that uh, the imminence isn't that important to him? So the Rebbe says, depends. If you're in the early stages of exile, it would have been okay if the person has the combination of the two portions, but not with an imminent attitude. Today, we're at the last moments of exile, and we have to have Tazriya Torah on the, not only that I'm doing it for the sake of the exile, redemption, but I realize that this is like, it could be in a minute, it could be today. And the Rebbe says, this message is spelled out in another custom within the naming of the Torah portions. Today, in the last generations of exile, last, I guess, a couple of hundred years, few hundred years, maybe five, six hundred, I don't know exactly, the portion was named Mitzorah. But if you look in Rambam, and before that, it was called Zostiyah. Says the Rebbe, Zostiyah means this shall be. So the Rebbe says, that's the difference between the early generations and now. Early generations, it was Tazriah Zostiyah. I'm doing my service. And it's linked to the message that there will be redemption. When? Whenever. But I have, I'm mindful that that's my purpose. Whereas now, in the later generations, where we're this close to Mashiach, and really to be any second, it's Tazriya Mitzora. It's not Tazriya Zostiyah that one day. It's Tazriya Mitzora. Tazriya, it's the planting, and Mitzora, I will know immediately that Mashiach will come Im imminently, and that will reveal to us that the Mitzora, the state of exile, was all about redemption, 
and there's nothing to delay it for. There's no future to delay it for. It's got to be now. The Rebbe concludes the Sikha by saying that this hints, this entire message that we presented here hints and, and fits in line very well with the message of the Gemara. The Gemara says that Yeshua and Levi, one of the sages, asked Eliyahu Elijah the prophet, I want to see Mashiach. Where is he? Elijah told him, go to the lepers outside of town. The lepers are lined up. One of them is Mashiach. So, and we call Mashiach a leper, which is very strange. It is said in Tanakh that Mashiach is going to carry the illness of the people, etc. Leprosy is a very painful form of illness. But, but why would we call him a leper if a leper is a, is a state of sinfulness? But as per the aforementioned, really leprosy represents a spiritual ailment. It represents someone who's this close to perfect. And he's just about the cusp of perfection, the cusp of liberation. For the football fans out there, he's right by the He's right by the, the line. They catch the, they throw him the ball, he steps over the line, it's a touchdown. He's right there. So it makes sense what she should be called a leper. Remember, what is a leper? A leper is the highest level person going from good to great. It's like a Miriam or Moshe, person whose the only negativity is skin deep. The only negativity is speech deep. There's no bad intention. They're so close to perfection, but they're still missing something tiny, beyond, something very external. Mashiach is going to be the highest level Jew ever to the point that Moshe Rabbeinu Moses and the patriarchs will learn Torah from him. What's the best description of him in, in one word? A leper. Namely, he's 99.99% perfect. He's going to bring himself and therefore Klai Yisrael and the whole world to that place of perfection. He's going to cross the finish line. Skin deep. The Rebbe connects it to the fact that the previous Rebbe already told us that the garment is ready. We just have to polish the buttons meaning everything is ready to go. We're up to the last final touches to finish and bring the gear up.